in this episode, giving your tech staff back their weekends and IT as an innovation center? And does your disaster recovery plan actually work? gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get to our guest today, please do me a favor. You know, I ask this in every episode, just leave a review. It takes a couple of minutes, go to iTunes, you know, give us a five-star review preferably. And if you don't like what we're doing, give us a one star and let us know why, but it's just a way to help promote the show and our, our seven other oil and gas podcasts. Yes, you heard me right. We have eight total oil and gas podcasts. As of today, this will probably be the last episode for 2019. We got a bunch of stuff coming for 2020. Then speaking of guests, we have to give a big shout to our sponsor, Nutanix. If you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at any scale, on-prem or in the cloud, these are the people you really want to talk to. And my guest just happens to be Steve Kaplan. Steve is a VP of Client Strategy with Nutanix. How are you doing today, Steve? Good. Uh, VP of Customer Success Finance. Uh, VP of Customer Success Finance, and my show notes need to be updated, which I like to blame on somebody else, but it's totally my fault. (laughs) (laughs) I I put the wrong title in there. So good. I'm glad you corrected me on that. So a couple of things I want to talk about, you know, the customer side of the engagement is something that sometimes salespeople don't always realize that at the sale, that's when things really just get started. It's not at the end of anything. And so in your role, you're making sure that that your clients are getting a good return on their investment in work with Nutanix. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I run a team of global analysts who, as you mentioned, work with customers across the globe to, you know, we kind of have two different approaches. One we call look forward and one we call look back. So the look forward is customers perhaps considering Nutanix Enterprise Cloud versus legacy IT infrastructure or public cloud or you know maybe other hyperconverged infrastructure and so we'll help them evaluate the various alternatives looking at at all the metrics you know rack space power cooling capex opex even administration and and even what's the business impact the look back analysis will go to a customer who's been running Nutanix for months a year a couple of years and we'll do an evaluation for them about you know how much has the technology actually saved you over the last year? How much in terms of of hardware and software? How about an administrative impact? Your IT staff, has it changed their lives? Do they have their weekends back now? How's it affected your business? Have sales increased? Uh, Are you able to acquire customers more easily? And so on. Yeah, I love the fact that y'all are doing this. And I also love the fact that at least part of this, you're looking at from a financial metric, because honestly, an Excel spreadsheet with dollars and cents on it doesn't lie, right? If you can see the the, the investment and you can see the return that you got, that's that's awesome. So let's talk about the looking forward a little bit, and we'll come back and talk about the looking back, because looking back, I think it's going to be fun. But looking forward, when, when y'all engage with a, a, a new prospect or, or a new client, what's some of the things that you go through with them? Because you know, there's a lot of vendors out there, and there's a lot of salespeople people out there that love to talk about total cost of investment, return on investment, but sometimes it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. And, and y'all don't do that. Y'all y'all deal with hard facts. Yeah, we we talk a lot with them. You know, we, we typically start at the, a high level. You know, first of all, what are, what is your business objectives? What where do you see the business in five years? 
and then work our way back to the technology itself. And we always use the, the customer's numbers whenever possible. If we have to make assumptions, then we document those, we support those. And, you know, it's more than just an analysis. It's, it's a, a whole story wrapped around that analysis that the IT champions can ultimately use to present to, to their senior management, to present to the board, and a case that now has resonating numbers, but that has resonating impact to the business. As an example, Concentra Healthcare years ago, long before I joined Nutanix, was back in those days, they were only partially virtualized, actually a very small virtualization environment. And the, and the CIO told me, Steve, for years, I've been trying to get the monies we need to expand our small virtualization environment, but the most I can get is ten dollars to $20,000 at a time. And by doing a, a comprehensive ROI analysis with our staff, we came up with very convincing numbers. But then Suzanne and I, when we presented to the senior management of the board, what we emphasized was the fact that we're already running on a backup generator because they were running out of power and they already needed to overhaul their air conditioning for about $800,000. And with the ever-increasing demand for servers and with the hot Dallas summer months approaching, you know, they risked severe business outage, and, and which in their case could have actually been life and death when it comes to patient care. And you know, that meeting was extraordinarily successful. And, and basically on the spot, Suzanne got approval for the millions of dollars she needed to virtualize her entire data center. So it was doing the math, doing the analytics, but then wrapping a very compelling story around that. I love how y'all did that. So that's one thing a lot of people think of. I, I come from those old data center days and you, you need a lot of air conditioning, especially in the Gulf South, to keep those servers cool enough that they actually run. And that's something that most people that are not in technology or not in IT would never even think of. And that, like you said, those, those air conditioners burn a lot of electricity. There's hard dollars tied to that. The other thing I think is cool that you do is, is basically you help your prospects and your clients build their internal case, right? So they don't have to do, it's not on their back. You're actually partnering with them, helping them build the internal case the way it makes sense to their management or their boards. Exactly. That's really, I would say the, the number one thrust of the analysis is to make that internal case to, because you know, a lot of times the technologist will see, you know, in our case, Nutanix technology, but back in my VMware days, back in the Citrix days, you know, they would look at those disruptive technologies and they would get it very quickly and it'd be very obvious to them that, you know, this is going to save a whole lot of money. But being technologists, a lot of times they may lack some of the financial acumen, especially in how to put together a report for the CFO for the board. So that's where we'll really get involved. All the members of my team all have MBAs and, and many years of experience in doing this type of financial analysis. I love the fact that your team is all based in the business, right? Unfortunately, especially in oil and gas, and, and please, people know hate mail, but a lot of the technologists are genius in what they're doing, right? Virtualization, routing, switching, cybersecurity, but they don't often have that business background. And by you bringing that to them, you're basically giving them a very powerful tool in their toolbox to help them accomplish whatever upgrades or, or growth they need from a, a tech point of view. Yeah, and, and the oil and gas industry is, is particularly interesting because it tends to be so critical and so high value where just small incremental improvements in technology, whether that's reducing downtime or enhancing agility, can translate into vast sums of, of, of revenues and profits. So more important than ever in industries like that, we try 
and, and certainly show the IT savings. But the, the, the real value comes from how can we benefit their business? Yeah, I love it because you're right. So in, in my industry, right, if you do something well, you make money. But if you do something well and do it quicker, you make a lot more money. You know, that's it's one of the things a lot of people understand. It's like I can take this CapEx and I can upgrade, you know, my Cat5 to Cat6 network or go drill a well. Well, you know, if I go drill another well and it makes money, I'm making making me more money than that that fractional improvement in my IT infrastructure. However, with that fractional improvement in my IT infrastructure, I then might have a chance to actually tap into more data, which will allow me to actually drill more wells. So it's it's a it's a you know horse in front of the cart or chicken and egg type of thing. Unfortunately, on the other side of that oil and gas, on the business side, they don't always see the benefits of investing in technology and y'all are able to help your clients do that part as well where you may show on the business side of oil and gas hey this fractional investment in technology can make a big difference in your actual oil and gas business yeah i think that of course we have the whole you know not just buzz but but the whole industry almost mania around digital transformation but from what i see it's still a lot of organizations give it more more lip than actual substance they still look at i although they may claim that it is a font of innovation a source of innovation they still treat it as a cost center and you can see that by the rfps they issue or the types of of questions they'll they'll ask you know they'll look for what is your cost per gigabyte a question that made all kinds of sense back in the legacy sand based environment but makes no sense in today's software defined infrastructure and so what we'll try and do is you know, address those IT as infrastructure cost concerns, but gently nudge the client to hopefully start thinking, you know, what would it look like with IT as innovation center? And by making a very agile infrastructure, by making it so they have much faster time to market. And ultimately, we, you know, hope to be successful in working with our clients and also learning from our clients about this and moving more and more to IT as Innovation Center and 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 quantifying that and justifying it. Yeah, unfortunately, oil and gas up until just recently, and IT needs to own some of this. So IT, a lot of times, didn't really understand the business of their own company. They understood their roles and what they needed to do. And like you said, they've been wanting to be brought to the table as a business partner for 25 years, but the business didn't always see value in them. And another part of it that is starting to change a little bit, but for 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 history, as far as I, I remember, in oil and gas, IT always had a chargeback model. So so they basically the business gave them budget to do X, and, and in the last say ten years, every year IT's been asked to do more with less, and that's not a that's not a good environment to actually be innovative and to be looking forward when when you're worried about just keeping the lights on, and the next year you have less budget to keep the lights on. So IT needs to own a little bit of that that they don't actually understand the business. I'm start, starting to see that change, especially with this influx of of new technology. What you know, everybody's called an operational technology. IT is almost forced to, to learn the business because they're having to support all this stuff. So. Steve, let's let's flip it around because I, I totally understand how you help existing clients, new clients, help build that business case internally and actually make sure it makes sense for the business. Because I'm guessing that if you'll help them build the business case and it doesn't make business sense, Nutanix just goes, you know what? We're not a good fit right here. Yeah. You know, so I work for customer success. I moved, my team moved under customer success about a year and a half ago. And we work with the top 1% of, of Nutanix clients, which tend to be very, very large organizations. And 
I would say typically Nutanix gets in the door for a particular use case for perhaps a geography and and one one of the challenges is that Nutanix works really well. And so we get in the door and working really well and everybody loves it, but they're behind on 50 different projects and other things are breaking, so it's taking all of the mind share. And while we have phenomenal expansion metrics, it's still not as fast as you know we would like to see it expand. And 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 so part of the look back, what we do is you know go to these organizations and say you've been using Nutanix for this purpose now for a year. How has it? What type of savings have you realized? You know from a cost center standpoint, the rack space, the power, the cooling, the the hardware. How how's it impacted your administrative? staff, not just in terms of reduced hours required, which on average and as verified by IDC tends to be around 60% reduction, but in quality of life and not having to be there on the weekends anymore to do upgrades and not having to do troubleshooting all hours of the night. And then ultimately, how has it impacted the business? And by doing that and, and by showing organizations, again, with all their own numbers and metrics and They've been running it. They have those, that information. A lot of times we really open their eyes and they say, wow, this is amazing. We just had a CIO of a very large healthcare organization say, why aren't we doing this everywhere? In their case, they have been having a lot of outages with their former technology and putting Nutanix. They knew exactly how we had slashed their outages and, and they knew what that cost them. And the impact to their business was you know, huge. Yeah, that that's that is incredible, and and I love the fact how you're working with multiple clients after the sale to make sure that still, even after they have engaged you, that you're still making a good ROI and the and working together. So let me ask you this: it's you have to have after have done this for a while, you have to probably see some kind of commonality, some trends. Is there like two or three or so things that companies, especially large enterprise companies, benefit from? I work with Nutanix. You know, when, during my travels across the globes and meeting with enterprises, many times I'll hear, we have a cloud first policy. Uh, and as an analyst, I ask, why? And sometimes they'll say, uh, well, everybody's doing it, or, or the board told us to do it. And once in a while, you know, they'll say, we want more agility, we want faster time market. And those are the areas we want to seize on. So one of the, the big trends that we're seeing is, is this, this kind of hype, this, this, this buzz to push everything to public cloud, driven by external factors and not by rigorous analysis. And we look at cloud as an operating model, not as a destination. And so when you look at cloud from that perspective, now you can use the financial analysis to determine which workloads should go where. You know, these workloads should go in AWS for whatever reason. These should go in Azure. All these workloads make more sense on-prem. And, and so the trend is help using analysis to help customers determine the optimal cloud strategy. Again, cloud defined as operating model, not as destination. And so, Steve, if you take an enterprise company, and as we go through time, do you think that mix will change? Because the technology is literally changing every day. So, you know, if you're engaged with a, a large enterprise client and they have, you know, 10% on-prem behind their firewall and they have 90% in AWS, you know, as, as they move forward, should they sit on their laurels and just be happy with that? Or is that something that needs to be evaluated on an ongoing basis? Yeah, absolutely needs to be evaluated on, on an ongoing basis. And that's 
certainly one of Nutanix's attributes is in enabling this cloud management and enabling mobility of applications between public cloud and on-prem. And, you know, we're still in the early phases of that, but but we're one of the leaders in the industry in it. And we're working more and more to make that as seamless and as smooth as possible, and even as automated as possible, so that the software itself can determine where the workload should be. And certainly it's going to continue to be dynamic and ever-changing. And, and we have the whole edge now that needs to be factored in. So it's but the one thing we want to get away from is making decisions based on non-rigorous analysis. And it's, you know, with New Year's, New Year's approaching, that's kind of a good analogy. A lot of times you'll hear people say, you know, I want to lose 15 pounds over the next year, or, or I want to read six books. Great New Year's resolutions. A bad New Year's resolution is I want to be 60% in cloud in the next two years which you hear all the time. Just yesterday, we had that as CTO said they wanted to be 80 in cloud in the next three years. And a cloud-first policy is bad enough. Actually quantifying that just, just doesn't make any sense unless you've done that rigorous analysis. And in the case yesterday with the CTO, we asked him, our team asked him, you know, what, what's on the top of your list to facilitate this migration of 80% to cloud? And and he said, well, we want to do a, a business evaluation. And so you can see it's completely backwards. <laughs> the business evaluation should come first and then the appropriate goals, whatever the, that may be. Yeah, it is funny. So in the last, say, two or three years, I've seen some very large oil and gas companies. I've seen some senior leaderships talk to me and go, well, we want to use blockchain. And I go, why? They go, well, because it's blockchain. And it's like, to your point, it's like, no, no, no. You need to have the business case and see what tool helps you achieve that business case. You don't start off with a tool and try to make it fit into your, to your business. It's you're, you're absolutely right. But it's, it's comical, but at the same time, it's very, very common, especially when people make assumptions and, you know, cloud is awesome and cloud is the future for a lot of stuff, but cloud is not always the best depending on what your applications are. So y'all are able to come in and actually help leaders in oil and gas realize that, you know, here's what should work best for your business today. And then that may change in a year or two or three, but don't just have a, a target and try to make your business fit that target. Exactly. And a good thing from a Nutanix perspective, again, is cloud as an operating model. We bring the same exact same type of software defined agility and, and faster time to market and scalability and resiliency as in the public cloud to the on-premises data center. And then enable a management framework for managing interfacing with the public cloud as well. And so we're able to, with our customers, to help them move to this much more efficient operating model, but do it very strategically and very cost effectively, and most importantly, very effectively from a business standpoint. Yeah. And one of the things I love about what y'all do is inherit in the way that y'all look at multiple platforms, y'all use multiple platforms, is you have those layers of redundancy and business continuity. You know, in, in oil and gas, if you're a refinery or a pipeline and you don't have connectivity back to headquarters, or if you're not having, you know, the data being collected somewhere, it'll shut things down. And when you shut down a pipeline, you know, you may be losing a million dollars a day, but inherit and, and 
what y'all do is the fact that you're able to have things like, you know, multiple instances of things running in different geographic locations that have business critical functions that were able, once there's a disconnect and they're able to, to run on their own, when they reconnect, they sync right up. And that's just like native in, in what Nutanix does. And I love that. And only gas, you know, that, that keeping systems up and keeping it running is probably a lot of times more important than it is the actual cost savings of layering Nutanix over your existing IT infrastructure. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree completely. And and during my long career in in IT consultancy, I've seen so many times organizations have these disaster recovery plans that would not actually work, and they don't even do regular testing. And I, I like to say, if you have having a DR plan without regular testing is worse than not having a DR plan at all, because at least in the latter case, you know you're hosed if there's a problem. So you can be a little bit prepared, but if you have a DR plan, you may have this false sense of security. If you're not doing the testing, it's not going to work. And that's built into every facet of what Nutanix does. And similarly with security, in Nutanix, the OS is machine code readable and it's self-healing so that if an administrator leaves root password open or changes an SSH config, the system detects it and restores it to the baseline security state all automatically. And, and that can save organizations you know, a tremendous amount of time and hardening all the different aspects of their environment and, and running it through the internal auditors and going back and forth and getting it right and then having to do it all over when they introduce something new into the environment, if they do it at all. If they don't do it, of course, then they're leaving themselves very vulnerable. So this this built-in security aspect of Nutanix as with the case of the built-in resiliency and, and recovery are, are tremendous assets to customers. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We've talked about security, cybersecurity a lot lately on this show because now the business is worried about cybersecurity. I mean, every day you hear of a large company being hit with either ransomware or somebody stealing financial data. And it's 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 no longer at the point where it's bored 14-year-old kids in Iowa somewhere, right? These are state-sponsored attacks, some of the smartest people in the world equipped. And if you can't keep up with your security, especially in oil and gas, where you can have horrible things happen if somebody hacks a system, you know, you're you're in big trouble. So I just I just love how all this stuff is native in what Nutanix does. Literally, y'all could come in and almost probably any type of IT architecture, lay this thing, lay Nutanix over it, and the advantages are immediate. But what I love about what you're doing is that you're you're building business cases both for future customers and for your existing customers. And I just think that's the right approach where you help your clients, you partner with them, help them build the internal business cases so that it makes absolute business sense to everybody. Yeah. And, 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 and again, coming back to the power of financial analysis, that's one of the big advantages. You know, my last business that I, I started and, and ran and ultimately sold was a, a virtualization focused organization. And when we started it, as was the case with Concentra Healthcare, we got a lot of pushback the biggest objection we would get from seasoned IT professionals is you will never put my production server into a virtual machine. And that seems silly and laughable today. And yet most enterprises still run this legacy idea of a standalone virtual hypervisor, virtualization environment. And the rest of the world has moved on. You know, every leading cloud provider all of them run now a Linux-based hypervisor, including Nutanix. And all of us 
except one exception is KVM-based in particular. And these hypervisors are native. There's no separate management tier to set up and configure and make redundant. There's no certifications required. It's just there. It's just simple, scalable, resilient, much more easily to secure. And, you know, this is one. AWS alone has far more virtualization customers than all the standalone virtualization providers combined. And so, you know, this is one. This is going to be the future. And yet a lot of people, enterprise IT folks, cling to what they know, the legacy virtualization environment, all the certs that they've had to get over the years to build their careers around it. And, and again, going through a financial analysis can help. So, you know, maybe you have an enterprise license agreement that's going to expire in two years. And well, let's look at a five-year time frame. And let's imagine after that expiration that you move to a cloud era-based hypervisor. What would the the savings look like? What would the impact to the organization look like? Yeah, no, this is this is just incredible stuff. I could actually talk to you for the next hour. I love that mix of of financial acronym and technology, right? That you don't often see that. But we got to get out of here. We got to pay the bills. So first thing, let's do real quick product reviews. Big shout out to HyperX Quadcast. They sent me this really cool USB condenser gaming microphone. Now I'm not a big gamer, but I do know a thing or two about microphones. This microphone, quite frankly, is just kind of average. The sound quality is okay. It's not very directional. It tends to pick up outside noises from from other things, especially if you're in a gaming environment with your friends. Just really don't think this microphone is probably the best that you could could work with. But I do appreciate this sending them out here. Now, if you're in a relatively quiet environment, microphone's pretty good. It's actually really cool looking. Built-in pop filter, built-in gain control. So if you're doing a podcast or YouTube, that sort of stuff, this would probably be good. But in a game environment, this would not be what I would pick. So once again, big shout out to HyperX Quad for sending us the microphone. And then you've heard me talk about the street team. That's our all-volunteer group. If you want to be a part of what we're doing in a volunteer way, just go to Facebook, search for the OGG and street team. We ask you for an hour's worth of work a week, but if you can't do it, it's totally cool. We get it. And you're really just helping us with our social media. But if we're at some event in your local area, you get to come with us as part of our press team and get really cool swag. And then BCD Travel. Speaking of, of technology, Stephen, for the longest time, we've been talking about BCD Travel, who's our travel provider of choice. They make our oil and gas traveling life easier. And they, we've been talking about how they've given everybody a free coffee. You just got to click on the link. We just found out, Stephen, that we've had the wrong link in place for seven months. Speaking of not staying on top of your technology. So people, we fixed it. So go click on the link, get your free coffee. Sorry that y'all were clicking. It was bringing you to the wrong place. And then Nutanix has given our listeners this really cool giveaway. It's a Bluetooth JBL Flip 4 speaker. I actually have one of these, not the Nutanix branded one, but one myself. Incredible Bluetooth speaker, easy, portable, sounds really good. We give away one a week. Go to the show notes and click on link to register. If you want to try to write it down, it's Nutanix.com forward slash OG Tech Podcast. But just easier, go to show notes and click on everything that's there. And then finally, while you're online, go ahead and go to the website, allgastechpodcast.com. Give us your email address. We promise not to spam you. And then join the LinkedIn group, OGGN. We're over 26,000 people follow us, which is just insane, but it's awesome. So Steve, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming out and, and joining us on the show. If people wanted to learn more about Nutanix, where should they go? www.nutanix.com. Yeah, we'll make sure we actually have the real, correct link in the show notes. We've never messed it up with Nutanix, but we did mess it up with the coffee. And if people wanted to learn more about you, Steve, where should they go? You know, they can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at ROI Dude. 
Yep, and we'll put both of those links in the show notes. Follow him on Twitter. He, he's got a good, he's got a wry sense of humor sometimes. So, Steve, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate everything that Nutanix is doing for the show, and we really love what y'all are doing with the oil and gas industry. It's nice to see a company come in and from the get-go help oil and gas companies do things better, faster, and cheaper. All right, so we need to get out of here. So we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck for January 2020. First of all, Happy New Year. We have a couple of great events coming up to kick off 2020 with y'all. The first one will be a Houston happy hour taking place on January 16th at the Cannon from 6 to 9 p.m. This event will be all about artificial intelligence for oil and gas reality, not hype. The event will feature a panel discussion and include drinks and snacks. Be sure to get your tickets. You can find our event right link on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook, or in our Modal Point newsletter every month. The next happy hour we're having is our Denver happy hour on January 30th from 4 to 6 p.m. at Liberty Oil Field Services. This event will have a panel of GEOs and feature a live recording of the Crude Audacity podcast. So it'll be super cool. Be sure to join us. Also get your tickets once again from the links posted in our Modal Point newsletter or on Oil & Gas Global Networks, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We also will be having a Pittsburgh happy hour sometime in February with the date coming soon. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Other events on deck include the Houston API Energy General Meeting on January 14th. Guest speaker Eric Switzer, VP Global Services of Baker Hughes, will be discussing accelerating transformation in oil and gas. The 2020 Industrial Market Outlook and Networking event will be on January 23rd in Houston, and they will be discussing the latest trends that will impact project spending in North America, including the Gulf Coast region, over the next 12 to 24 months. Lastly, the Wildcatters Ball will be held on February 7th, 2020 in Houston. This ball is the primary oil and natural gas industry fundraising event for the IPAA Educational Foundation. The proceeds will go toward funding the foundation's energy education programs. That's all for this month. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and check in next month for the events on deck for February. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.